a Lifetime Original Podcast. Bumps, bumps is funny. Is bumps a medical term? <laughs> I love a Lifetime movie. You can either have a heart or you can have perfect blonde bangs. You can't have both. <laughs> if this lady's got white hair and a cane and a bowl of Werther's, I'm not going to be able to turn on her. How sad for Todd. That's that, what like, I'm saying. He's such a philanderer. No one's looking for him. <laughs> well, you know, I get excited when I see tennis balls. So it, it, I'm like a damn golden retriever. <laughs> Please, I promise I won't say anything. Oh, I know you won't, sweetheart. <laughs> Whatever you do, please don't hurt my baby. Hurt the baby? I would never do anything to hurt our perfect little family. This isn't your family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Love a Lifetime Movie. I am one of your hosts, Naomi Paragon, here with just truly an angel among us, Megan Gailey. Thank you. It's so good to see you, Megan. I should have made my voice like ethereal, like, hello, Naomi. (laughs) Um, How are you? I'm doing okay. I mean, I was recently shaken to my core, thinking that I was the victim of a stalker. And and I know we've gotten to the bottom of it, but I don't know if we have. You know what I I mean? I mean, at the time, I mean, I was chilled. Um, So basically, I come home and Andy, a.k.a. Jubu, a.k.a. my one true love, He's like, you got some Amazon package. And I was like, huh, I didn't order anything. And so since, you know, your girl shares a Prime account with mom, it was like, well, maybe, you know, sometimes if you mm, don't change the mm-hmm. address, it might come, right? So I'm like, okay. But then I open it, and it is this. I'm going to show you, Megan. And I'm going to okay. show you, listener, if you check it out on social. Oh, wow. This is a bright pink fedora. Sent to me. Sent to me. And no, no. Also, <laughs> no, no note at all. However, I will say what I love is that it is called Cool Mesh Fedora Hat. Ooh. So they've already decided it's cool, which I appreciate. And I like, of course, the first person I text is you because I'm like, yes. who else has my address mm-hmm. and knows about the pink fedora? Mm-hmm. And so I, so then I text you and I was like, girl, did you send me a pink fedora? Har, 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 mm-hmm. har. And then. <laughs> and I was at dinner, and so I got it a little. I got it like a few hours later, and I said I did not send you that. And then we had a mystery on our hands. All hell broke loose in this house. Because yeah. Immediately, Andy's like, "Okay, let's look up and see if your address is like somewhere online." Even though I wish I'm sure it wasn't, but it was like, you know, how else? I was like, "Okay, there's obviously a lifetime listener," but I was like, "A fedora with no note." Who could this be? And it, it, uh, it felt a little under the bed. You know, it had yeah. a Lifetime-esque twist to it of you are sent a package mm-hmm. that is personal. Yes. Something we speak about to your home address, which right. is secret. Right. And we have no idea who it came from. Absolutely. And of course, thanks to all the Lifetime movies I watch, first thought stalker in our midst yes. you know i didn't assume they were like nefarious but i did think okay this is someone who doesn't respect a boundary mm-hmm. i was i was terrified and it's funny because it's like you know since we we're watching these movies on a weekly basis it really is getting into my like bones and my skin yeah. like i was on i was on set shooting something and i had a little actress playing my daughter and at one point, she was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, like, we'll get a, we'll find a PA to take you. And then the guy who was sitting at my end, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom too. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show you where it is. And I literally was like, no, 
And I like looked around for a young woman and I was like, someone yeah. please take her to the bathroom. I was like, no man is no, escorting a girl correct. he don't know yeah. to no bathroom. No, okay? you're correct. You're correct. You know, and he was like, kind of was like, why are you being weird? I'm like, honey, you're being weird. Thank you. I was like, we don't know you. How dare you? And I'm just like, I just feel like, you know, my spidey senses are always tingling for possible predators now. And it's spooky season. So it's like, oh my gosh, I walked, I had to walk a far distance parking wise to a show and it was dark and I was scared. I don't like it. And you know, it's like, oh, I'm with child. So I'm a perfect victim right now. And, and you know, not showing. So the person would know they're going to get a double homicide on them. But, and I walk by I'm like walking down a residential street and every house has like hanging dolls on the fence. And I'm like, well, this is unsettling to the max. (laughs) I know it's like so scary, but you guys, because I don't want you to be terrified for us. I will have you know that actually the cool mesh fedora hat was sent to me by our producer, Julie. Okay. (laughs) Julie sent it. Um, And obviously that was my second guess. You know, once Megan said it wasn't her. Um, I, but I was like, but Julie wouldn't send it without a note. You know, she's so fastidious. She's very, like, she's proper. Proper. And, she's a proper yeah, yeah, lady. Yeah. Um, she may have wanted a note, but, you know, when you send Big Daddy Jeff Bezos on an errand, who knows yeah. what you're going to be sent. I know. Um, now, when we figured out that it was Julie, I immediately said, why didn't I get one? And she said, I did, I did send you one. Um, and I just have not opened any of my Amazon packages because I've just been ordering weird Halloween grab bags. But the pink fedoras are not just for us to wear around and role play with our men. Um, they are actually going to be used in a very special episode that we're doing next week that if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, which you must... We'll give you a little sneak peek of what we're going to be doing next week. Speaking of sneak peeks, why don't we tell them we cannot be holding this in because this next movie is just, I've already told you, it's my favorite. It's my favorite so far. It is one for the books. And it is the final movie in our messed up family series. (laughs) This is, you know, towards Thanksgiving, you got to prepare yourself. Okay, you got to see these things and just deal with them. Um, And this movie is called Psycho Granny. Mm. Delicious. Chef's kiss. Logline is this. After Samantha's mother passes away, her spirits are lifted with the sudden appearance of her long-lost grandmother, Colleen. All seems well until Colleen's dark past reveals itself, and Sam has to fight for her life. It is as good as you think it is, and you know what else is as good as you think it is? Our guest, okay? Yeah, yeah. We will be breaking this down with the help of comedian, host of the podcast Las Culturistas, and HBO Max Movie Club podcast, Matt Rogers. Okay. We called I mean, in the big one for this. We you did. Know? We, we had to. We had to. Yeah. It couldn't just be any old body. Mm-mm. All right, Megan. Let's get into this, honey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay. 
Literally, this is one of the best opening scenes I have ever seen. I thought it was so well shot, the mm-hmm. rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, uh, macabre, if you will. Okay, mm-hmm. we open on a woman. She's actress Robin Riker, who's a soap opera queen, but oh. I recognize her from an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that's oh, my truth. Oh, wow. I recognize her as looking almost identical to my own mother. She does not look like Peggy. She gave Peggy vibes. <laughs> that well, Auburn, any anytime a woman has Auburn hair and is over the age of 50, I'm like, that's my mom. Well, this, you don't think that looks like my mom? I don't, wait, let me see what you're comparing her to. Okay, I definitely see the hair, but no, no. Uh, all right, I'm gonna tell Peggy you don't think she's a soap opera queen. <laughs> oh my God, why would you try to ruin the relationship that's just newly formed and between you know me what? and Peggy? I don't even need to tell her, she's gonna hear this. Mom, God, you look she... like Psycho Granny, and but that's good because I was like, oh, this bitch is too young for me to be sad about. You know, like- Yes, I exactly. Would, you, you know, I was worried. Yes. Because I was like, oh my God, if this lady's got white hair and a cane and a bowl of Werther's, I'm not gonna be able to turn on her. Right, um, right. we're getting like hot granny, kind well, of. Which to me is like, you know, Lifetime is constantly making people way too hot. Like the daughter is supposed to be 18, but the mom is clearly 30. You know, they're constantly yeah. making people hot. I actually thought she was way too hot. Like I wanted white hair cane because that would have been even <laughs> yeah. funnier. Anyway, we've already gotten on a tangent. Basically, we <laughs> see Robin Riker in this movie known as Colleen bringing a roast turkey to the dinner table. She puts down the turkey, pours a glass of wine, and she starts a toast that is you know, ostensibly for all the guests at the table. We don't mm-hmm. see them yet. It's kind of close in on her. And it's just like literally the longest like guilt trip mom criticism monologue. She rips into each person one at a time. She's talking about like Dennis, Susie and her hoodlum boyfriend. And speaking of the devil, the inestimable rip. Thank you, by the way, for actually washing your hair before joining us for a meal. I know that you would much rather be banging Susie in the backseat of your car, but. <laughs> and then the camera slowly pulls back to reveal every single person at this fully set dinner table is dead. What? Oh my God, I love this movie. Um, I love, it is hysterical. Yeah. And, and I, I was actually a little relieved because I'm like, you don't need to read people like that on a holiday. But then I was like, <laughs> I can't believe she's reading people like that because their body is still warm. That's so funny because I imme- I knew they were dead. I just immediately assumed. Uh, yeah, 100%. I was like, they've got to be. But it's also just like, and I say this movie is funny and it's not meant to be, like, I'm not shading it. It's a movie that knows. I think that's what I like so much about it. This is a movie that knows what it is and is not trying to be nothing else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, So then we see a woman's hands making a scrapbook out of newspaper clippings of families that have been murdered. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, we're only left to assume, like, she's making a scrapbook of murders she's committed. And it is a high number. I would say dozen. Hopping all over the country. Yep. Hitting the coasts, hitting the mids, hitting the flyovers, hitting the plains, going everywhere. And that's just with the credits. I know. And for me, I called it like a Joanne Fabrics from hell because she's got the glue stick, honey. She's Mm -hmm. got the beautiful leather bound book. Like she is really keeping a serious scrapbook or scrapbook. Yes. And she would like write names and then like slash through them for them being dead. Um, (laughs) Which is like my favorite thing when someone's dead and they just like write it down. 
Yeah. She's reading um, the newspaper, which is a very granny thing to do. <laughs> and especially reading the obituaries. My mom yes. reads the obituaries every day. You know, she's got to keep up on her Indianapolis deaths. Mm-hmm. And so she sees that there's a recently deceased woman whose only survived family member is her daughter, Samantha. And she writes down in her book of death, Samantha. And then smiles. So then, hard cut from the smiley face to a blonde woman crying. I'm sorry, I'm such a mess. This woman is our Samantha, and she is being comforted by her husband, who I will call Matthew Lawrence, because that is his name. It is actor (laughs) Matthew Lawrence, all right? Granted, his character's name is Brad, but in my notes, I just wrote Matthew Lawrence. Right. And she's especially upset because she's pregnant and never got to tell her mother before she died. I just wish that... That I didn't ever listen to all those websites that said we had to wait three months before telling anyone. She's my mother. I could have at least told her. Sam. And they go on to say that she has had two miscarriages, so she didn't want to get her mom's hope up again. But it's like, if the mom is sick, which we're led to believe, it doesn't seem, then it's like, you got to tell your mom. Yeah. You're sick on her deathbed, mom. You got to let her know. Yeah, give her a happy moment. The whole thing is like. she's going to die, she's not going to know if you have a miscarriage or not. Exactly. I just want to point out how hard and set Matthew Lawrence's jaw is in this film. He like never smiles once. He is just like a really, I'm not into him at all. He's one of our worst husbands, I will say in a way. I did not like him. Yeah. And like, so anyway, but she's like, they're like, okay, let's go to the funeral home to sign paperwork so she can like be the executor of her mom's estate and through this whole thing, Matthew Lawrence is getting work calls. Case in point. I'm not answering it. Just go ahead. I'm done talking. And that comes up a lot in the movie. He's constantly getting a work call, so he cannot be there for his pregnant wife who just lost her mother. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, but he makes a joke because Samantha's in sweatpants, and she's like, I can't go to the funeral home in sweatpants. And it's like, girl, this must not be in Indiana because that is all people are wearing. <laughs> And he pulls sweatpants out of the drawer and is like, And I wore mine. Show of solidarity, what do you think? (laughs) And Naomi, I'll I'll let you describe these sweatpants. Y'all, these sweatpants were so big. I was like, okay, are we saying his character had gastric bypass? They look very much like before sweatpants that you would have in a commercial. And it was just like, are you kidding me? That you would be be like, I fit in one side of it now. (laughs) I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh my God, he's been eating Subway every day. (laughs) But it was, I'm like, who did they take those from? No, they're insane. I wanted to ask you though, let's talk about this. Because when she goes to the funeral home and like is signing the paper, she's crying, she's upset. And the funeral home, like, director is the worst. Like, she's really not nice. No, and I don't know if that's just, like, you have to be removed. Like, you just have to be, like, emotionally cut off. Because I was thinking, is there a worse job than funeral home manager? Interesting. Interesting. I do see what you're saying. When I worked at a retirement community, one of my jobs was anytime someone moved in or moved out, and no one moved out, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I would handle the moving process with their family. And so it was part of my job to be with grieving Mm -hmm. family members. Doing Um, something we all hate, which is moving. 
of course. And you're right. moving your dead relatives things. Right. And so it was, I definitely hugged a lot of people in parking lots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very, not overly emotional, but I would be, you know, grasping up my heart and holding them because I knew these people that died. I think part of it, too, is like this lady doesn't know Sam's mom. Right. And, you know, she's got perfect blonde bangs. I know. And it's like yeah. you can either have a heart or you can have perfect blonde bangs. You can't have both. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, it's funny because, of course, she, the lawyer immediately leaves. She's like, I have to photocopy papers. You know, she doesn't not want to engage. No. And, like, while she's gone, Psycho Granny, like, pops up behind Samantha. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, sc- to scare you. And that's a recurring motif, Psycho Granny popping up, which yeah. I think is, again, hysterical. And but, hard and- for a granny to do. You know, they walk slow and it's pretty loud. I know. But, again, this is a young, hot granny. <laughs> you know, and that's why she could just sneak up on people. Um, and she introduces herself. She's like, I'm Colleen. And then she's acting like she's choking back tears. And she's like, mm-hmm. I lost my daughter. We weren't really close, but her name was Leslie Schumann. And that is Samantha's mom. I yes. mean, we knew it was going to happen, but hello. And it Samantha's was, immediately. Um, <gasps> because Samantha's mom was adopted. And so Colleen is setting the stage that she is her biological mom and that she gave her up for adoption. Right. And this <sighs> is the moment where it just really became even more implausible for me that Colleen looks 58 if she's a day. And I'm meant to believe that she is the grandmother of a 30-year-old woman. I mean, come on, Lifetime. I know. There's def- Samantha doesn't ask a lot of questions. And I Colleen know. doesn't really give her time to because she acts like she's put out a little bit and is like, I am. I have to. No, I have to. I have to go. I have to go. I'm going. I have to go. And runs away from Samantha Smart. Smart. I was, gonna say, I was like, that is so good. When you want to yeah. kind of hustle somebody, the first thing is not going in for it. It's you acting like, oh, no, you don't really want it. You know, that's right. what makes a person think, oh, well, they can't be. Granny hard to get. Exactly. So Colleen runs off and then when Samantha's talking to Matthew Lawrence, a.k.a. Brad, about the run-in, he immediately has this piece of advice. Just be careful. You know how you can be. What's that supposed to mean? You know, you get really connected with people and things really quickly. Is that your nice way of saying I'm codependent? Let's just say... If it weren't for my allergies, we'd be up to my eyeballs and stray cats and dogs right now. You're no help. Okay, you know what? He's not wrong and she's not wrong. He mm-hmm. is no help. <laughs> but he is very right to say be careful. But did you notice how every single person in the movie, whenever she was brought up, they were like, does she want money? Does she have money? Yeah. Everyone was obsessed with money in this. And, and it's like... Samantha has said, my mom has no money. I actually thought at one point when she was like being given papers to sign that there was going to be money because Mm -hmm. at this moment I start going, what is in this for Colleen? You know, like she just likes to trick people into thinking they're related to her. So then she can kill them. That seemed like, where do you even get the money to fund that sort of operation? (laughs) She wants a family. She is really doing all this to be like, we are a family now. But I didn't I didn't see that. You really um, thought there was going to be money in it. Well, I understand that. But you can see Colleen's living very well, which also surprised me. Yeah. Like she ends up with a gorgeous home. but And we never get we never get the answers to where that money comes from. Oh, and God, I, no. I'd like to get into her finances for sure. <laughs> okay, so later that night, 
we see Colleen and she is back at the funeral home. All the lights are out. It's like mm-hmm. late night, late night. And she goes into the funeral home files and she's looking for Leslie Schumann's file. And the funeral home like director comes back in. And I'm like, why would you be at your funeral home at midnight? <laughs> well, I, that'd be a hard five o'clock clock out for me. I'd be like, oh, the sun is setting. I've got to bolt. I've got to um, go before the ghosts come. And so Colleen hides in the shadows. and But then, she leaves out the files. Yes. That's the whole thing. Literally, yeah. the funeral director comes back in and is like, why are these files out? And but like if a this drawer was, fully open. <laughs> if this was under the bed, you know, she'd be like, oh, what did I do? Huh, I guess I left all my files out. <laughs> um, and so the funeral director's like, what? And then Colleen comes out of the shadows and... She so. murdered her. She murdered her. Yeah. Very much so. And then the next day, Colleen calls Samantha, you know, with the info she stole from the funeral home, and is like, I was really hoping that I could make it up to you somehow. Would you even consider having lunch with me? And then you see Colleen, like, in her scrapbook diary, writing down details about Samantha, and you just see all the different notes and pictures of other families. So it's like, okay, she is, this is a fact-finding mission with Samantha. That is what Colleen is trying to do right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before um, she can go to lunch, Samantha hangs out with her bestie named Amy, spelled the French way, A-I-M-E-E, okay? Oh. And she's, you know, and at first she asked her friend to come with her to lunch because she's like, hey, I'm going to meet this woman who I don't know. And then she like changes her mind and goes by herself. Which her friend didn't put up much of a fight, I guess I will no. say. Like, if you said to me, and you know I'm, like, pregnant, hey, a stranger wants to meet with me well, at Well, Amy doesn't know she's pregnant yet. She doesn't know yet? I thought Amy Mm-mm. I'm sorry I went my upper register for the listener and for you. No, because remember, they don't find out she's pregnant until Brad has, um... You're right, right, you're right. There's Whatever his name over Those are dramatic. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't... Th- Amy has bangs. She also has very, like, I don't know if it was on purpose. There's very strange straightener marks left in her hair. Oh, really? That were in every scene that really did bother me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That I was like, this has to be on purpose because it's so, like, it almost was like a weird crimp. Yeah. Not needed. I shouldn't have said it. Um, (laughs) But then Samantha decides to go alone. So next scene is Samantha and Colleen at a diner. It's lunchtime. Colleen is having wine at lunch at a diner. And now I'm like, I think I'm on Psycho Granny's side. I know. I was like, okay, Colleen's fun. We're back on board. But yeah. it's like, oh my God, diner wine during the day. If that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. No, that's like, I think the only time I've ever done that, I was already drunk and it was the middle of the night or I was like so hungover that I was like, I need to have a, I shouldn't, why am I talking this way when I'm pregnant? <laughs> Like, thank, thank God no. she dried up. <laughs> okay, so um, enough about my perhaps well, okay. borderline alcoholism. <laughs> and then Colleen's sitting there at the diner and she's like honestly spinning a yarn, okay? Why don't we start with the biggest elephant in the room? Why I gave your mom up for adoption. You don't really have to tell me. I mean, I've been thinking about it and it's not really any of my business. So, of course it's your business. It's part of our family. It's part of your family history. I would never keep that from you. Okay, Samantha's like, you don't have to justify anything to me. I'm like, that's exactly what she has to do. Literally, this whole visit is her explaining herself. We got married right after high school. 
We were young and stupid, and I got pregnant right after we got married. He started drinking, got worse and worse. And, and also, I'm like, wait, so you have this abusive husband, and he's just fine with you carrying a baby and then giving it up for adoption? Or like, is she saying, I took the baby to term, gave it up for adoption, and then never saw him again? Like, he, I still had questions. Yes, yes, I understand. You're just in their holes in the story. Yeah, I'm just like, where's he? What happened right. to him? Mm-hmm. So Samantha confides in her that her and Brad have been trying to have a baby. And then Colleen responds, Well, I wouldn't worry. I sense that those little feet will be in your future. You have the perfect aura of motherhood about you. Oh, that horror sting at the end is just like, again, this movie knows what it's doing. It is truly tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, But I was still, you know, really stuck with me. What is an aura of motherhood? And Megan, do you think you have it? Um, I do. And I don't know what it is. Okay. Interesting. But it Interesting. does seem like something an older, a, a woman from an older generation would say. Do you think Colleen would think you have the aura of motherhood? Yeah, I do. But I honestly think Colleen would maybe pick me as a target and be mm-hmm. like, oh, she seems like a nice girl. Right. And then would like, you know, look up a clip of me online and then probably murder me. <laughs> and be like, there's no way this some foul mouthed little rascal can bring a baby <laughs> into this world, you know? After lunch, when Colleen's in her car, you know, writing details down in her murder journal. Murder <laughs> journal. It's a hard one. That's like a rural juror situation. Yeah, yeah. Murder journal. Journal. Murder uh, journal. <laughs> murder journal. A woman named Julia knocks on her car window and it's like, Helen, oh my God. We hi. used to live together in Portland. <laughs> or like live by each other in Portland. Yeah, she was like, we were neighbors for a year. And Colleen is literally looking at her in the face. She's like, <sighs> I don't know you. <laughs> and you certainly do not know me. And it was just so funny, the extent to which Colleen was so mean. Yeah, she rolled up the window <laughs> almost on Julia's fingers. And I, that struck me as strange, too. It's like, if you're trying to be, like, incognito, you can't go around just being shitty to everybody in this damn town. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to know where this town is in relation to Portland. Right. And, like, how have she has committed so many murders? How have none of them been solved? I know. I really thought we were going to have a detective in this for some, you know, a detective closing in on her. And, like, it was crazy that that it never happened. It's one of our, it may be our first film that has no police presence. Interesting. The first thriller without a police presence? Well, Psycho Granny does take up a lot of space. So, yeah, that's fine. Um, Samantha and Matthew Lawrence are hosting friends at their house, including one of their friends being a married man named Todd, who is Mm -hmm. flirting with Amy. Okay, so I'm already like, Todd, what is wrong with you? He looked really familiar, and I was attracted to him. (laughs) You would be. I know, I know. Like, (laughs) slick back hair, not even my vibe, but I was like, oh, hi, Todd. Um, So Samantha tells the group that she's pregnant. Well, she says they're pregnant, which, whatever. I, I don't think of CJ as being pregnant. Yeah, like, I don't. I'm like, the I don't. doing the work. He's selling his sneakers, but I'm. <laughs> You're and, pregnant, and he's selling sneakers. Yes. Those are the journeys. At this point, I was like, "Is this bitch not sick?" Because I was so sick. I continue to be sick, and I haven't seen Samantha. And I'm not trying to add more to her grieving plate, but I'm like, I cannot believe 
I haven't seen this bitch throw up once. <laughs> so um, they're pregnant. Everyone is so excited. Amy's like, I knew it. I knew it. And so that's just that scene. Uh, <laughs> not, not much else happens. Not even a hors d'oeuvre we see. So Samantha goes to Colleen's house and they have a cup of tea. Very it, much Colleen's thing. Okay. She's like, yeah. she's all about drinking her tea. She loves her tea. And of course, within four seconds of drinking the tea, Samantha's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And then Psycho Granny is like, go ahead, but you can't flush the toilet because our septic system is having some problems. And my first thought was, she is going to test her urine. Yeah. Was that your first thought? I was like, there's definitely a reason she doesn't want her pee to flush. Well, what else could it be, right? So then, yeah. And literally, Samantha comes out of the bathroom. Colleen goes right in. She's like, I have to Colleen's go too. Like, like she's standing right there, like she was at the funeral home. That's it's one of those like, ah! oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> you scared me. Like, right ah! outside the door, Moments. yeah, a pop. Yeah, yeah. Pop. So she goes in immediately after, not suspicious at all. Exactly. And then um, puts on latex gloves, and we see her use a like a fat syringe and pull urine out of the toilet. Yeah, I lost my um, mind. That shit is hilarious. Yeah, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and then she dipped a pregnancy test in the pee mm-hmm. and it obviously comes out positive and she smiles. I don't know why she needed to do this. This is what I don't get either. I'm like, you know she's pregnant. Wait until she tells you she's pregnant. But I think they really had to make sure we knew she was psycho. And if dead people yeah. at a Thanksgiving table wasn't enough, let's watch her siphon urine out of a toilet. This to just felt someone's... so extra. That's what makes this movie great. Okay? Mm-hmm. The extrosity of it. Yeah, so while Colleen is in the bathroom extracting Samantha's pee out of the toilet, um, Samantha is looking around the house and there's pictures of kids everywhere. Like yeah. family, there's family photos yeah. everywhere. Adults, children, these are very yes. full walls. And Colleen has said she has no family. And so Samantha does seem suspicious. And then when she asks Colleen about it, she says that their patients have helped throughout the years, you know, from all over the world. And it's like all these people look pretty white and in America. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that night, Samantha gets home and then she and Brad get in a fight because he suspects Colleen. So you're spending the day again with her tomorrow? Yes. Have you even bothered to do any research on this woman? Look, I know you're questioning if she's really my grandmother, but what if she is and I blow everything because I'm too suspicious? And then he gets a work call. Hello? But basically that night after they fight, Colleen drives up to Samantha's house and has Parks a conversation. in front of the driveway. Yeah, this is like, crazy. I'm like, at one point I was like, is she in the driveway? Like she is parked so close to the house. She's blocking the driveway to the point where if one of them was out running an errand, they would not be able to get into the driveway. Like it's like, psycho granny, you are not good at stakeouts. <laughs> like, also, you d- the thing that also drove me crazy, she was in a red car. I was like, honey, but somebody is trying to sneak around. You are looking very obvious, okay? You are standing out. And no disguise, just like... Mm-hmm. You might as well ring the damn doorbell. I know. But instead, she doesn't do that. She, like, has her binoculars and is, like, looking through the window from her which car. You which you don't even is, need. I know. Because <laughs> that's how close she is. But then she starts to have a conversation with who I will refer to as her dark passenger for all those Dexter viewers out there. Listen to this creepy voice. You really think this one isn't going to let you down? No, it's different, Samantha, and... The baby, it's perfect. Is it? 
We thought Dennis and Barbara were perfect too, but we both know how that turned out. Ooh, it's terrifying. Not, yeah, it's not dissimilar to the voice she used when she told that woman, like, I'm not that bitch from Portland. You know, like <laughs> she but it's it but it's more creepy and more intense. Right. And so I guess at that moment where you like, does she have not split personality, but like what is this ailment? Right, 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 right. What's the psychosis? <laughs> Psychograniness? Just psychograniness. Exactly. Yeah, there's definitely voices, e- mm-hmm. evil voices in her head. Wow. Right. And, you know, she finishes having that conversation and then she's still doing her creeping, but then Todd. Because he's dropped off the blueprints on mm-hmm. the way to the airport to go to New York. <laughs> but then I don't know why he walks towards Kali's yeah. car, which I thought was very strange. But maybe well, it's because, her, as you say, it was like half in the driveway. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it's parked weird, and and but she's perfectly friendly to him. Like he's like, uh, no. "Hi," and she's like, "Oh, I'm just like sitting out here. Uh, I was gonna stop by or something." And he's yeah. like, "Don't you think it's late to stop by?" It's like who is talking to an old woman who's knitting a blanket like that? Like it was. I don't think she Todd, looks fifty. No one thinks she's a great. Which is why they don't respect her. I I just, I I did think Todd got an attitude with her. I don't think it warrants what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he got an attitude very much so. You're right. He's like, Are you Sam's grandmother, Colleen? Guilty as charged. Don't you think it's a little late for a visit? And then she stabs him in the throat with a knitting needle. Can you imagine? Y'all. Y'all. We got to take a break because you just need to think about the dark, creepy voice you heard and then someone being stabbed with a knitting needle. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We're back. Todd is dead, and it seems like nobody notices. She no. dies like in front of their house. Yeah, no one notices. Um, okay, so back inside the house, Brad and Samantha are getting into a fight um, when she tells him that Amy accidentally spilled the beans to Colleen that she's pregnant. And he is so mean about it. Well, because he's like, he's like, I told her. And then he's like, what? And she's like, well, Amy brought it up. Yeah. And I threw up. Amy brought it up. It's not even like, yeah. and I, he's like, my parents don't even know. It's like, well, then tell your damn parents, Brad. Exactly, exactly. I just, exactly. he is like mean to her in a yeah. way that's like, she's pregnant. Her mom just died. Yeah. yeah. And her friend brought it up. It wasn't even her. Why are you getting, you I need know. to get stabbed in the dab throat. That's how I feel. I'm like, you are so 
Are we terrible. supposed to be mad at him or is that just how we feel? I don't know. It's like, I think we're supposed to think, yeah, he is a little distant, which is what drives her to Colleen. Okay, yeah. But I don't know if we should think that he's the worst and she should not procreate with him. Because that's what yeah. I think. I'm like, he is not kind or loving in any way. Anyway, no. um, the next day, Samantha goes to Colleen's house to get a massage. From and Colleen. From, from Colleen. <laughs> honey. And also, Colleen, the massage she gives is literally like she is just like flip flapping her her hands over her. Okay, she's like yeah. she's pr- playing Miss Mary Mac on her back. It was just like <laughs> not even real. And she's like patting her down. It's like, are you skilled? I, are you? I guess in Colleen's defense, she's not making Samantha pay for it. <laughs> I know, but if she's like, I'm here to make you feel less stressed as a mom yeah. to be. I was like, um, Colleen, you better learn some basic skills. Learn how to get your knuckles in it or something. Yeah. And so then um, Samantha starts to open up during this bad massage. Yeah. And is telling her some of her frustrations with Brad that we also share. I feel like he doesn't understand what I'm going through. And I just wish that he knew how much sharing this pregnancy with my mom meant to me. I feel like he just wants me to forget it and move on. Has he said that to you? No. Oh, God, no. He would never say that. It's just the look and the attitude I get from him sometimes. And then Colleen takes Samantha's phone. While she's, like, on the table. Yeah, and sends Amy and Brad's info to herself. And so Samantha goes to, like, look for her because she's not in the room at this point. Mm -hmm. And when Samantha finds her, she's like, I put it in my pocket because I didn't want it to disturb you. Wait, what's going on? Well, I guess you got me. Well... Now that you're in here. I, you know, I just, I couldn't help myself. I had the spare bedroom, so I just decided to turn it into a nursery. And yeah, I went with the pink because personally, I have my fingers crossed for a girl. <laughs> Colleen, you, you really shouldn't have. Oh my God. She created a nursery in her house. Yeah. I'm like, Samantha, you got to go. The movie should end here. The moment Samantha saw that, she should have been like, okay, Colleen, um, it was nice knowing you. I would like us to not know each other ever again. See, I was like, I do think this is weird, but this is this is where my bias towards old people comes into. I would have just been like, uh, thank you, and, and not known that I thought this was weird. I do know grandparents that have nurseries in their house. But not grandparents who you just met a week ago. A hundred percent. I mean, but I think you can be like, oh, wow. And then in your head, be like, the baby's never coming into this nursery. Right. Maybe. I mean, I couldn't take it because it was just like, <sighs> anyway, Samantha, I think, is like finally starting to get it because yeah. she ends up going to dinner with Amy and is like talking about Colleen being like, she made a nursery and this was kind of extra. And it's like, I don't like it. And She's like, but am I being crazy? You know, and Amy is basically like perfect supportive friend. He's like, you're not crazy. This is weird. You know, we should look into Colleen's backstory. And then Amy's like, oh, yeah, I have a friend who works in an adoption agency. She can get information. I'm like, okay, but is it like, can you really get records from 30, 40 years ago? I don't even think they put that stuff on computer at this point. Well, and what we see is that Colleen is sitting nearby in a baseball hat listening to the entire conversation. Listening to the conversation, holding a butter knife and talking to us. (laughs) She's dangerous. Yes, she is. And you know the type. They don't respond to just talk. You're right. 
Something more definite may be required. I said, ma'am, you cannot get away with this in a public space. So Colleen is basically like, Amy needs to be dealt with. Her and her dark passenger decide this. And then Amy takes the initiative and goes to her friend who works at the adoption agency for help. Listen to how Amy asks her friend for a favor. Remember how you owe me? No. Well, you do. But it's not for me. It's for my friend Samantha. You remember her? We had drinks a couple of times. Anyway, I need you to look up an adoption for me. I'm still going to get fired for this. <laughs> okay. I like Somebody it. This was a comedy. Remember how you owe me? Someone stitched it onto a pillow. I want to yeah. remember how you owe me. And then the response, no. No. <laughs> that is perfect. And then she continues on anyway. She's like, okay, well, I need you to do something that could get you fired. Right. And Jill's like, okay. I'm like, Jill, come on, babe. Now, does Amy work at this adoption agency too? No. So she, okay. I was she just confused. went to her friend Jill. So she Did just you know, popped in and popped out? Yeah, that's what she did, Megan. Amy's like, remember how you owe me? I'm going to show up at your office. That's part of Amy's whole vibe. Um, I also just want to take a moment to let you know that I, I play a black Jill, much like the Jill in this movie. I play a black Jill in a Netflix film. Exciting. So keep your eyes peeled for that in 2022. We love all the black Jills. Absolutely. Um, okay, so very, very quickly, Jill is able to find arrests and warrants under Colleen's name. I'm shocked that Colleen isn't like a fake name that she right. keeps changing, you know? Right. And she's like, there's something else weird from 1983. I'm going to get more info on that. I'll have it for you in the morning. So mm-hmm. Amy goes outside. And there is a lot of construction happening. It's very L.A., New York vibes. And she calls <laughs> Samantha and leaves her this voicemail. Hey, Sam, it's Ames. Listen, I just checked in with Jill, and that wannabe grandma of yours is a felon. Jill found some shady stuff in her past and something from the 1980s. I will know more tomorrow, but I need you to stay away from her. Uh, I'm going to go over there now and tell her her granny days are done. Okay, so I was thinking that Colleen was going to pop out of nowhere and kill her in broad daylight before she was able to leave the voicemail. But I was like, oh, okay, good news. Amy was able to leave the voicemail. Yes. Or or so we think. I know. But why would you go to a known criminal's house alone to confront them? Come on. I I don't know. And I guess maybe she's like, I can overpower this granny. But it's like, yeah, you just said that she's dangerous. Right. And I don't, it's like, maybe we just like call the, I don't know. I don't know what you do. You call the police or you just go directly to Samantha's office, home, and then are just like, we are staying away from her. I would go directly to Samantha. Yeah. That's what I would have done with the information. And then she has to push granny away. Also, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge this as another lifetime trope, you know, um, which we had in For Fatal Family Secret, a voicemail from Damien before he's murdered. Um, I think voicemails before dying would be a good movie title. So we should keep that in our back pocket. Lifetime presents voicemails before dying. And it's just someone who's like left these messages and then they get killed like an hour later. And then all the people she like left messages for, they come together to kind of retrace her steps to find out who killed her. Wow, I can really come up with these, Megan. That's great. That just happened to me. That was just, a, that was an improvisation. Yeah, and, and in this case, it was good that Amy was even able to leave the voicemail. Right. So Amy goes to Colleen's house, parks in the driveway, and goes inside. 
and she's in the garage and Amy confronts her and is like, you have these arrests, something weird happened in 1983. And Colleen starts to close the garage door in a way yeah. that like, that's when yeah. I would have been like, bye, bitch. Exactly. Like, what? And so then exactly. Colleen's like, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. Come on inside. More tea, more tea. So Amy goes inside with her and then Colleen picks up the tea kettle and bangs her over the head with it. Amy drops to the floor, blood dripping from her head. So far, she's used a knitting needle and a tea kettle. Yeah, very granny. Granny. Um, It'd be like if there was like Clue, but in Mm -hmm. a retirement community, these would be the murder weapons. Exactly. In the street outside the house with the needle. Um, (laughs) So Amy, she does not kill Amy, but she's like dragging her body into the garage to dispose of her in some way. And Amy starts to come to and then Colleen strangles her with her like this tennis ball contraption that she was using to park her car correctly. Um, Is that what that was for? Yeah. Remember, her and Samantha have a whole conversation about it. I must have missed that part because it didn't involve anything psycho. Yeah, she was like, this is, um, I put this little tennis ball here. Well, you know, I get excited when I see tennis balls. So (laughs) I'm like a damn golden retriever. So she put the (laughs) um, tennis ball there so she doesn't drive in like too far into her garage. I see, I see. So... She strangles her with that, and then she's dragging her into, like, the trunk of her car. Again, the feet of strength. So strong, exactly. So strong for her to do that. And then she just backs out of the driveway. What do you think she did to Amy's car? I I mean, obviously she, like, took her keys out of her pocket or something and then moved it, but it's like, where? Where is Todd's body? (laughs) Where is Amy's body? Where are the bodies of these people from these other people's lives that are just dropping like flies. Well, the next morning, Brad finds out Todd never showed up in New York. Doesn't seem to want to call Todd no. and find out no. why. Or and his wife is it. just like, oh, yeah, I bet he ran off with someone else. Like, no. how sad for Todd. That's that, what like, I'm saying. I'm like, my nightmare. He's such a philanderer. No one's looking for him. They're like, <laughs> no how that he's in Cabo? <laughs> and so Brad now has to go to New York since Todd can't. And listen to the next fight they get into. You don't know this woman. I am sick of having to justify myself. And any time that I spend time with Colleen, she at least listens and seems to care about me. Excuse me? You don't trust me. You don't trust my choices. That's not true. I just want to make sure that my wife and child are safe. And that includes being able to trust the people she spends the most time with. Why does he have so much attitude? I don't get it. I know. And this is where that, like, this fight is also where I was just like, okay, these two do not seem to have any love or tenderness for each other. So I kind of don't care about this relationship. Like, that's yeah. what I was like, okay. I was like, he could go. Stay we in don't New need York. Bro- Stay in New York. Stay in New York. Okay. And I'm thinking I'm about to get my wish because we cut to Colleen in her car outside of Brad's office waiting to kidnap him. And I'm like, yep. okay, now this I can get behind. And, okay, it is broad daylight. Uh-huh. Brad walks in his car. Colleen comes up behind him. Granny Papa. <laughs> sticks him with a syringe in broad daylight, Henny. Th- sticks through, him with a syringe. He has on one of those, like, half zips, you know, that white men love to wear around Thanksgiving. <laughs> and she stabs him through the half zip into his neck. Like, I was like, oh, my God, does that work? <laughs> like, can you stab someone through their sweater like that? <laughs> And Probably. so we, we assume Brad's not dead, but he's definitely out cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so at this point, um, Samantha has gotten 
Amy's voicemail, but it was like, like it's all background noise. It's all construction and no information. And so heeding no one's advice, she goes to Colleen's house Mm -hmm. um, because she's sad and her and Brad and blah, blah, blah. And they're having tea and having a nice time. And then she hears Amy's cell phone ringing in the drawer because Colleen forgot to put it on damn silent. Thank you, or throw it out. I'm like, you don't need her phone. But maybe she's gonna turn it off. At the very least, at the very least, they can track the phone. This is the one time in lifetime where we're like, track the damn phone. I know. (laughs) And of course, Samantha's like, okay, why do you have this phone? And Colleen's like, oh, Amy came by to help plan a baby shower, and she's like, and she left her phone at my house, and it's like, I'm sorry. In 2016, I believe when this motion picture was made, okay? I'm going to say in the 21st century, no way you leaving a phone at somebody's house and not immediately pulling a U-turn to get that shit back. Yeah, she definitely would. And it's like, wait, so Amy thought you were shady, looked into you. Whatever the voicemail was, whether she heard it or not, it's not good news. Right. And then she went to your house to plan a baby shower. Exactly, exactly. Samantha is starting to be like, something is weird. Finally. Finally. At hour one, like we're at 105. Okay. Yeah, the last 20 every- minutes, she's getting her head in the game. It's like, come she's on, Samantha. Two of her closest friends. Her closest um, friends, and no one seems to know they're missing. Okay. No. And we don't even know where they are. So Samantha runs upstairs, which you would definitely hear. Exactly. And she takes a photo off of Colleen's wall and then shoves it under her shirt. Which I was like, um, that's not subtle. I mean, you guys, she took the framed, wasn't it framed? Yes. Or just the picture part where I was like, no, babe, you're she, holding a picture under your shirt. It's and this- now there's a hole on the wall. Exactly. She's going to know it's missing. What? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, and then she like gets out of there. So we see Brad. He is actually tied up in a chair in the nursery connected to an IV. What is in that IV? Something to just keep him out? Yeah, she's keeping him knocked out. Because she's like, you're going to stay here for a while. Because remember He's, when she wrote in her journal, Brad question mark? You yeah. Know? She didn't I, know yet. I'm surprised she didn't kill him immediately. I know. And I got a little disappointed. <laughs> so Samantha gets back home when she gets a call from Jill. Jill is Amy's friend. Now, I thought Jill was calling to say, have you seen Amy? You know what I mean? Right? No one's caring. Listen to this phone call. Did you find something? died giving birth to your mother. Are you sure? Yes, according to the records. There is something else, though. I did find something about Colleen, was it? Yes. Yeah, it was in an old case file from 1983. It seems that she did give a child up for adoption. Not long after her husband went missing. They did question the wife, though. Quite a lot, actually. Uh, Some of the officers on the case were certain that she was responsible. Do you know the child's name? Yes, it's a, hold on. It's Melanie. Do you have a a last name or current address or? I can't give you that. Please, please. Okay, I'll text it over to you, but you never got it from me. Okay, first of all, Jill has no scruples and is not a good employee. And I love her. Okay, she's literally like, I'll text it to you, but you never got it from me. I was like, oh, Jill, my baby, you are messy. So basically, Samantha goes to a courthouse to, in essence, ambush Melanie, who is Colleen's daughter that she gave up, like, for real. Mm -hmm. And I love that immediately, I mean, she's never met this woman. She does not know she's coming. You know, and Melanie, the lawyer, she's like, oh, are you getting a divorce? It's okay. (laughs) Things are hard. I was like, (laughs) 
I yeah. love how quickly she looked at Samantha and was like, is your life deteriorating? And I also felt like I was like, she should get a divorce. Brad's the worst. So I think it's fine. And also you are correct. Melanie and Samantha look the exact same age. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, that's her daughter and this is her granddaughter. I'm like, I can't. Um, I can't. So Samantha like confides in Melanie and is like, this is my address and my phone number. And that is the name of the woman that I believe is your biological mother. I know this is going to sound crazy. I think she killed your father and my family may be in danger because of her. And Melanie's like, well, my mother is, said, says some other name. If yeah. it's like this other woman, though, I hate that bitch and I don't want you ever coming near me again. And I'm going to say, I don't blame her. It's like, what? I, this is, again, you know I'm not like police fix everything, but I don't understand what Samantha expects Melanie to do. I have do. no idea. I, I was like, no idea. she don't know her. What you think she gonna do for you? Yeah, it seemed like a very left turn. Yeah. To go to Melanie. And then Melanie's like, don't contact me again. And you're like, yeah, Melanie, I get it. You're a working woman. You ain't got time to get embroiled in nonsense. Yeah. So um, Samantha gets a text from Brad, who's supposed to be in New York, right. telling her to come home. Um, and she does, but she does try and call him back and he doesn't answer, which is it's weird. like, yeah, don't check out. Don't check out. So she gets to the house and she finds Colleen sitting in the dark with a chloroform rag at the ready. Classic. Chloroform classic. So when Samantha comes to, she is tied to a chair. Not in the nursery. In the living room. And listen to Colleen's creepy upbeat vibes. Please, I promise I won't say anything. Oh, I know you won't, sweetheart. Whatever you do, please don't hurt my baby. Hurt the baby? I would never do anything to hurt our perfect little family. This isn't your family. I am also worried about the baby. Like when yeah. I saw her chloroform her, I, I was know. like, oh, that, this is a woman that's had two miscarriages. This cannot be good for the baby. I know. I thought the same thing. I'm like, chloroform is poison. Like, what are yeah, you saying? Yeah, and I'm saying? like, Colleen, isn't that like your favorite thing happening right now? Is this baby? You have a nursery. And I know. The way she was talking, though, about like, we can give the birth at home. It really gave me Kathy Bates misery vibes. Yeah. Ooh, I was like, yeah. that's what. I was like, okay, okay. She's nuts, you know? So then Colleen admits to killing Amy and Todd as she's just sort of like rubbing Samantha's hair. And <laughs> so I did, creepy. this did strike me as interesting because you get the impression from her earlier killings, like of the families before Samantha, she killed these people because they were not perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Samantha has not been perfect to you. Like, right. she was like, why did you make a nursery? Right. Um, she stole a picture definitely to research you. So it's like, this seems like you, you don't like her husband. It seems like she would be someone you want to kill as well, because right. she's definitely not the perfect granddaughter based on how she's treating you. That was a kind of a plot hole for me. Mm -hmm. I assumed the long game was, Take Samantha's baby. Baby fever. Yeah. Yeah. Like once yeah. Samantha gave birth, she was going to go. And then mm -hmm. Psycho Granny's got a brand new kid to make perfect from the beginning. Oh, God. Yeah. Until she dies. Like. Well, sure. And then that baby grows up to be a Psycho Granny or Grandpa or. Psycho Granddaughter. Exactly. You never know. Mm -hmm. So Colleen, she tries to connect an IV to Samantha, you know, probably to knock her out the way she's been knocking out Brad. Again, the baby. <laughs> I know. And then, you know, Samantha punches her. We love that role reversal. And as like Samantha is trying to crawl away and Colleen's like, you know, kind of closing in on her, Melanie comes into the house and she and Samantha fight off Colleen together. 
And Samantha ultimately knocks Colleen out with a tea kettle. Okay, look, stuff be happening at the end of Lifetime. People be showing up with a gun, like, right on time. But I felt like Melody coming into her house was too crazy. First of all, shouldn't the door be locked behind her when she came in? And she know where she lives. Well, she remember she gave her her address. She was like, when she's like, don't talk to me. She's like, okay, but here's my information if you do want to talk to me. Oh, okay. So she did have it. (laughs) That's what I figured out. But I was like, why? I was like, how did you get in? And it's like, I don't know. I just thought it was so crazy. It was like, yeah. it's like Melanie went home and like changed into her casual clothes and was like, okay, now I can deal with this. <laughs> it was also weird for it to be a character we had just been introduced to. Like we have seen this woman once exactly. for 30 seconds and it happened 30 seconds before this. So I it was know. like when she came in, I was like, who is this? I, I, know. I truly, I was like, is this Amy's sister? <laughs> like, what is, is this Todd's wife? Who is this person? I had a hard time remembering it was even Melanie. I wish they had used Jill. You know me. We need to put more black people in the movie. And I'm like, you could have just used Jill because she's Mm -hmm. already like in on it, helping you get information. She could have been the one to come by and she'd be like, I came over to tell you Amy's dead. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, we just want someone to care about these dead friends. Anyway, after Samantha knocks Colleen out with a tea kettle, we cut to police and EMTs outside. And as Colleen is wheeled out in a stretcher, her hands are cuffed. (laughs) My favorite part. She looks at Samantha excitedly, okay? And like with her hands cupped, like <laughs> gestures, and she's like, I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, this is such a good movie. She's like, we're still on good terms, right? She's like, we're good. I'll call you later. I don't even think Colleen knows who Melanie is. <laughs> you know? like, she's know. as confused as we are. Like, who's this bitch? Because it's like, she hasn't seen her since she was one. I know. So after Colleen gets wheeled out, it's just Samantha and Melanie sitting there. And <laughs> Melanie is like way too chill about all this. You have to remember, Samantha came to her job like six hours earlier. Okay? So this is the first time she's in on this. And she has just hit a woman over the head. And she and the woman's been wheeled out by cops. Listen to Melanie's reaction to all this. You know, I meant what I said about her not being my mother. But she's still blood. And I'm going to do what I can to make sure she gets the help she needs. That's very sweet of you. I can't help but feel sorry for her. She truly did believe that she was creating something perfect. (sighs) Now, if you will excuse me, I am going to go get a month-long spa treatment. (laughs) Then they hug and Melanie leaves. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I want a movie about Melanie. Yes. Who's the person who's like, I'm going to get a month-long spa treatment? It's like... (laughs) What are you talking about? You need like a month long therapy session. What are you saying? Why is she's, she so she, nonchalant? She's a lawyer. I think she's just detached from her emotions. She's like, I've seen it all. I bonked my biological mother over the head. I was in an orphanage and another person found me. Yes. Did my mom murder my dad at the Grand Canyon? Of course. Like, yes. <laughs> she needs help. And it was like, <laughs> what? It was too yeah. much. And so I kind of like screamed when Melanie was just like, congrats on your baby. And then he just walks out. It was just so funny. And then Brad is wheeled out from the nursery, you know, where he's been captive. And then he tells Samantha, I love you. I love you too, little girl. (laughs) And I've just never been more underwhelmed. Uh Uh-huh. At one point, Colleen was holding Brad captive at her house, correct? 
Yes. And then, so she, he was at her nursery and then she switched him over to his nursery. Well, look, maybe not nursery, just upstairs in a bedroom. Oh, but the okay. point is like, yeah, so he was at her house first. And then I guess again, because she has superhuman strength, she was <laughs> able to drag his body into her car, drive over there, use his key to get inside, drag him into their house and up the stairs. And, and no one in this neighborhood has been like, God, this woman is active. <laughs> you know how the suburbs are. People don't look out their windows. They don't pay attention. I do. <laughs> I do. I am in everyone's business. Oh, okay, God. so then we cut to Colleen. She's in a prison uniform and she is being chipper as can be still. And <laughs> she meets with a therapist who's going to figure out what's wrong with her. <laughs> and she immediately eyes his family photo on his desk and is like, wow, what a perfect little family you have, doctor. Cut to black. That is the end of Psycho Granny. Stay tuned for Psycho Granny 2. Colin, yeah, like, still psycho. You had a family, and then you pushed your husband into the Grand Canyon and left your daughter. So it's like, why didn't you make that family perfect? I know. It's so wild. And it's also like, I'm sorry. What? She's like, okay, therapist, if you let me out of prison, I'm going to have your family? Yeah. <sighs> we need a prequel. We need like an origin story film, Cruella-esque, yeah. to be like, what made her give up her own family to be on the search for the perfect family this whole time. And what are the finances? Okay, I want to, as you said, I want the prequel and I still want the sequel, okay? Psycho Granny 2, 2 Granny mm -hmm. 2 Psycho. It writes itself, and, but... And some advice. Change your name, Colleen. Colleen, come on. Colleen, and you I gotta get new papers. Goes, I hope she goes down for all the murders she committed, you know, Thanksgiving, um, you know, every... Every the family. wake of bodies she's left behind her. Well, someone's going to find the scrapbook. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I hope Todd's wife is like, I guess he wasn't cheating on me. It, <laughs> like, in this moment. Oh, this movie was a wild ride, and I can think of no better guest to be joining us on this journey. We have, honestly, one of my favorite people. Comedian, host of the podcast Las Culturistas, and the HBO Max Movie Club podcast. The one and only Matt Rogers, honey. 
And this place you're in looks fabulous too. Yeah, this is the Bowery Hotel. It's okay, sort of two like hotels. Okay. Megan's in a hotel. Like, you're in a hotel. Yeah. Hotel yeah, culture, yeah, yeah. major culture. I mean, <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a yes, lot yes, yes. going on with that as a culturist. I could get into it, but we simply don't have the time when Psycho Granny's on the docket. I mean, there's just <laughs> too much to say. Naomi's really mad at me because I got hummus room service delivered in the middle of our recording. <laughs> she was literally I like, left. I have to stop. The hummus is here. It's like, what? Literally, last night at 1 a.m., I ordered a burger. So that's, I, yes. I, I'm a huge room service fan. <laughs> me too. I love it. And I never got to have it as a kid. Mm. Like, we couldn't even look at a mini yeah. bar. And now yeah. I'm like, charge everything. <laughs> yeah, please. Let me live my life, please. Yeah. Um, Matt, thank you so much for watching Psycho Granny. Top line yes. thoughts. Loved it. Okay, lo- it. loved it. Was okay. one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, I don't do well with, like, horror suspense. So you think, like, oh, he means, like, malignant. Uh-huh. He means, like, you know, real yeah. scary movies. No, I mean this. There was a moment where I watched it on my laptop, and I actually had to put my laptop at, like, the foot of my bed and, like, go back. <laughs> I think it was the moment I had to like watch it from like a distance because I was so scared and I put my hands on my head like this it was the scene where she kills um by the way <gasps> Lucky from General Hospital that's how I know that actor the blonde guy who's like the douche in the movie oh, that yeah, scene where she you knew he oh. was you knew he was getting it yeah and so I, I was like I was like oh this is not gonna end well for this gentleman <gasps> and when she stuck the needle up yeah. through his like yes. chin throat was, I was like girl yes yeah. That was gore. Yeah. That was gore. And our favorite thing about him was that his wife was not looking for him because she was like, oh, he's off having an affair. I know. <laughs> you just never find out right. he's dead somewhere. Because it's like, where is he? Because you would think, did he just fall in front of their house? You know, dead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No. And also never what? never gets discovered. Also, none of the bodies in this movie get discovered. And I have to say, like, yeah. usually, like, deaths in movies like this, like, don't really affect me. But obviously the movie had, like, an emotional pull on me because I was devastated when mm-hmm. Amy was killed. And also, I just <laughs> yeah. thought, like, of course it's a Lifetime movie. You know, they're going to be, it's going to be very sort of, like, the emotions are right on the skin. But I was like... You know, my girl who was the protagonist did not grieve her friend enough for me. Yes, no, absolutely. They never do. Absolutely. They move on in a way that doesn't, yeah, truly doesn't address them. We never get a memorial service. Right. No. We never see anything. It's just a flash to them in a better house. It wasn't right. <laughs> and it's like, wow, okay. It wasn't right, especially because yeah. she really put herself in harm's way. She went out of her way. Yes. And we, we understand that she's like a busy woman. You know, she we see her briskly walking through the park with a coffee going back to work. We know this woman <laughs> lives a full life. So, like, she stopped Mm -hmm. her full-on life to be like, let me figure out what the hell is going on with the adoption history of this woman. Yes. (laughs) Let me go out of my way to then confront her, and she pays the ultimate price, and she doesn't even get grieved. I know. I have a problem with it. I have a big problem with it. She has high-maintenance bangs, you know? Like, this is a a woman who takes care of herself, and just, wow. She had what we call a best friend haircut. She had the haircut that no... No woman who is the pre- lead actress of her own life has a haircut like that. Uh-huh. The best friend has that haircut. Wow. Now, Naomi and I were very attracted to the granny. We thought she was young and hot. She was so young and hot. Like, way too... For a movie that really put granny in the title, she was giving me <laughs> psycho auntie. Like, she was young. Yeah. She was cute. You might even say bad casting if it mm-hmm. weren't for the fact that she was absolutely killing it scene to scene. Like, right. the actress... Mm-hmm. The, it's like, was she appropriate for the role, like, in terms of her age? 
Absolutely not. She looked like she was clearly like the, a mother. Like even right. when she said like, oh, when they meet in the first scene and she's like, oh, it's mm. my daughter that died and it's, it's your like, mother no that died. I was like, there's no, like yeah. that's, no. that's this no. girl's mom, 100% exactly. in terms of age. <laughs> exactly. But you do, with these movies, I guess suspending disbelief is going to be a major thing, huh? Right. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah. her mm-hmm. acting was yeah. perfect. You know, she's also a, what do you call it? Soap opera queen. You know, she comes from the world yeah. of soaps and you could see that. Yeah, I mean, when she sort of, she, she knows the tricks. She, it's like, you guys know, because you're on camera queens. Like, she knows that little <laughs> trick with your eye where it's like, when you want to be suspenseful, you go side to side. And <laughs> yeah. when you... When, with your pupils, and when you want to be attracted to someone, you look at their lip, and then up, and then at their lip, and wow. then up. Okay, wow, you guys should really see we this. We are getting a lesson. Yes. So, we are getting so basically, because podcasts are a visual medium, this is what I'm doing. So I'm looking at the camera, and then a little bit under yeah. it, and then up, and then a little bit under it, and then up, and it's like, it's giving, I'm attracted, and that's a soap opera trick. Wow. Okay, wow. see, this is how you, and she this knew is how you end up on a Showtime show. rubbing my pregnant belly, like, in a <laughs> sexual way. Like, oh, my God, I don't know if the baby's ready. <laughs> um, yes, she's having I a know. baby, and the baby is really taking I in know. all this Lifetime content, so. Oh, yeah, he's he can hear. I did find out he can hear everything I'm watching and saying, and so he is getting full-on stand-up comedy and Lifetime <laughs> movies all the time. I'm sure he's like, I don't want to come out there. Okay, Here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a psycho granny type figure in your life? Would you say you are someone's psycho granny? What is your relationship to the psycho granny as a character? Or would you be susceptible mm. to a psycho granny? So if it was a psycho grandpa, yes. Because I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very, mm. especially lately for some reason, I'm very sort of like into a daddy type. And so if this person <laughs> comes along and is just like, you know, I'm this older man trying to be in your life. I'm seeing not only company, wink, wink, but I'm also seeing dollar signs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yes, in yes, my necklace era. I'm right. trying to rack up some jewels. You know what I mean? I want uh-huh, a man that's uh-huh, going uh-huh. to take me to market, if you would. So basically, <laughs> right. Psycho yes, Granny, agreed. I'm like, no. Especially because to me, to me, <laughs> she was telegraphing psychotic from the very beginning. I'm like, yes, I yes, see absolutely. you coming mm-hmm. a mile away. You're 100% going to kill all my friends. And, you know, I'm good with all my friends right now. We're not in any conflict, so that I don't want them to die right now. But, you know, uh-huh. a Psycho Grandpop? You know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you know, uh, I I could find I could find myself you know tied to a chair, um, with IVs being waved mm-hmm. in my face. Uh-huh. You know, like could, could be kind of exciting to be honest. You know, shake it up a little bit. Yeah, I could see that as like John Slattery. Oh, you know, from big Mad time! Men. Like that's a psycho grandpa that we could get behind. Okay, he could even come up to me and tell me he was gonna fuck up my life, and I'd be like, sir. Lock me up. I feel like <laughs> it's easy. It's easy for you. Some people play hard to get. Yeah. I'm very easy to get. That's sort of, that's. <laughs> that's how I am. I would be very, Naomi knows this. If anything, this woman looks a lot like my own mother. Mm. <laughs> so I, when I saw her, I was like, Peg is here. Like I got yeah. very, and, but my mom, like this psycho granny was only ever offering tea. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's enough. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And also, like, with the tea of it all, it's like, the the tea is like a, tea is, the, I did notice that she was drinking a white wine in the first scene. So yeah, to me, it's in like, a diner in the middle of the day. <laughs> middle of the day at a diner. Thank you. 
Middle of the day uh, at a diner. And I, I, did, I did think, it's like one of those things that you see and you clock, but you don't explore. And only now am I exploring it. I took it as truth and fact and actually relatable queen because they were going <laughs> mm-hmm. through a stressful thing. Like I was like, oh, uh-huh. a glass of white wine at a diner in the middle of the day. I'm moving right on because this is a stressful situation. And honestly, mm-hmm. maybe in that moment I am susceptible because I'm seeing her drink a white wine mm-hmm. at lunch. It's like probably a weekday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah. I actually can get down with this woman because, you know, she's trying to take the edge off. She's like, you know, yes. she's relatable queen. Like she's mm-hmm. yes. she's drinking in the middle she's of the retired. day. She's retired. She deserves to have a bad, like, soft blanc right. with a patty melt. And she too is grieving. Yes. We clocked it and did not breeze over it. It's <laughs> <laughs> now this, because yeah. we were both like, okay, now we like psycho right. If yeah. anything, I'm mad at the pregnant woman for not drinking. <laughs> right, right. And you know, she said, I would love a Pinot. And I'm like, I mean, you can have one. <laughs> yeah. Right. You can. You can have one. <laughs> she takes a hit of a vape yeah, pen she's instead. Like, <laughs> she's, I literally thought that while it was happening, I'm like, I mean, what could you get away with as a pregnant woman? I guess you're the one to ask. What have you gotten away with? <laughs> um, I've definitely, last night someone tried to give me a shot. And so that's a no, that's a no fly. That's I'm in Chicago no. though. In Chicago, oh. they're like, ah, come on, get her a whole keg to herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was having a Shirley Temple and people were like, vodka? I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm sad. Um, <laughs> Matt, before we let you go, uh, there is one little game we like to play, segment, if you will, called Ooh. Real Hero, Real Villain. Because mm-hmm. it is our firm belief that in every Lifetime movie, there is a hero who is not the person, you know, we're supposed to think of as the hero. And there is a villain outside of the actual villain. Sure. And can you let me know, you know, does anyone come to mind? I'll tell you for me, for instance, my real Mm -hmm. hero is Jill who works at an adoption agency and very quickly is like, here's the information I have used my office to procure things you shouldn't have. Tell (laughs) no one. So Jill is my hero. Of the motion picture. Yeah, so, so what I loved about Jill is she really didn't need much convincing at all. She's like, Ugh, I could get fired for this. But it was truly a 15-second conversation because, A, that's what the plot required, and, B, that's the kind of girl Jill is, which exactly. I love for exactly. her. If I had to say my real hero, I guess it's the character that we meet uh, at the 11 and a half hour, which is the real daughter, the lawyer, who has not been a character the entire time. And then despite the fact that she gets given... I mean, to use a term that's popular in the movie, psycho information about this while she's on her way to work. Like, she gets this information, not only applies it despite the fact that why would you ever, and then shows up at the house and eventually, like, knocks out her birth mother. I also love the moment of recognition between Psycho Granny and the lawyer where Psycho Granny was like, oh my God, my birth daughter. It's like, what? It was truly crazy. So I think she was the real hero because she literally was, despite the fact that she was a... Full-on day player. <laughs> Love that for her. That just goes to show you, everyone at home, there are no small parts. Absolutely. There are, no, there are only small actors. Wow. And I would say that the real villain of this movie is traditional family structures as presented to us by Sorry About the Patriarchy. Because yeah. you know what? If we didn't have this, we wouldn't have psycho grannies out here trying to fit in. What she needs is a chosen family, mm. okay? Yes. She needs a group mm-hmm. of sisters, right. probably a bunch of lesbians like her because my gay daughter is ping, 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 ping going off for psycho granny. She needs RuPaul to tell her, you know, in the, in the gay community, 
Celebrity Weekend to choose our family. You know, she needs like a RuPaul <laughs> moment. She needs to go on Drag Race. I do think she'd be an amazing guest judge as the character. Yes. And I just think she needs to really understand that, you know, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. You do not have to have a bloodline wow. be your family. She can find a bunch of psychos that can be her family, and I'm yep. sure she will in whatever psych ward she's going to. <laughs> <laughs> She's wow. gonna find like-minded people. That's yes. what she needs. Wow. Yes. Ugh. And then at the end, she's giving sultry, like, can I have sex with this psychiatrist? We and do like, love that. She's never not working an angle. And no. that, yeah. that honestly makes her kind of hero too. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It, in many ways, and also the way that the way that they put it, they lock her up, and then the daughter is like, "Well, I'm actually gonna still try to do my best for her because know. you know she's blood." And the the girl who's been like had truly everyone close to her murdered, include and almost her husband dies. She goes, oh, "That's really sweet of you." Her line is, "That's really sweet of you." It's like you know what? Maybe you deserved it. Then you remember everyone in this movie has a six IQ, and it's like maybe they should just go. You know, they're not voting correctly. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, I will say, though, my favorite moment in the whole movie is when Psycho Granny is being wheeled out on a stretcher mm-hmm. while handcuffed and then says, call me, call me, yeah. makes the call, call me, me gesture. It's really stunning. It's uh, startling. It's, it's stunning. It's Halloween Horror Nights. It's, it I is. mean, I, I, it's a spectacle. I, and that's what makes this one of my favorite movies because it knows what it is. It's spooky. I mean, the first 30 seconds, she says hoodlum. And I was like, we are off. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> I did catch hoodlum. I also, I love that it was like, there's no evidence. It's like, who are the detectives on this crime? Looks like she didn't try to clear it up at all. There's probably fingerprints all no. the do day. Yep. Then they can look up her actual name and all these things come in that are like, oh, here's all the list of her crimes. I couldn't believe the scene yeah. with Jill, how easy it was to figure out all that information. I it was know. so stunning. But she also keeps a scrapbook of murder. Do you know what I mean? She has a full-on uh-huh. diary of who she's after, when she killed them, and why she's done it. And I'm like, yeah, talk about throw the throw the book at someone. You know what it I mean? Was literally, a literal, literal paper trail. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Ugh. Matt, you really are. The this is best. the perfect moment in time. I would take you as my psycho gay. <laughs> I like literally. I, I, I'm available, and trust me, a lot of my a lot of my girlfriends want me off their hands. So please. Okay, we should make that a movie because we've been talking about this psycho gay. Psycho you know, gay. Megan and I, our long term goal is to be in a lifetime movie that you know that we star in, and I think psycho gay could be one of them. So I'm gonna just like make sure we're making a note of that title, and we'll just like develop and that over time. Psycho gay. And I met two psycho gays at the Nordstrom on Michigan Avenue today. One had a hat. The other one was training the one in a hat. And oh boy, when I asked for maternity stockings, they were like, we don't have any of that here. And I loved them. And then I just go, okay, I guess I'll size up. Psycho Gay is actually coming out on Hulu um, next year, Memorial Day. Joel Kim Booster wrote it. It's being titled Fire Island, yes. but it's really called it's really called Psycho Gay. And you'll understand when yes. you see it. Uh, I can't I can't wait for that movie. Uh, uh, that film. Motion that film. No, please. Yeah. Yeah. If it's an Austin wow. adaptation, it's a film. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. You are the greatest, and we'll always have Psycho Gay. the best. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me an excuse to watch this. It was the most thrilling film of the year. Four stars. A spirited romp. <laughs> he's so funny. We needed I, him. We truly did. Also, did you know that he's doing my favorite, his Christmas show? It's called yes. Have You Heard of Christmas? And yeah. It's a night of music and song and performance, and it's wonderful. So just, you know, if you're in New York, if you're in L.A., have you heard of Christmas? But anyway, <laughs> he's wonderful. 
Next week, we are doing something especially fun and new to the podcast. We'll be joined by actress, comedian, writer, and producer Christella Alonzo to do a full-on dedicated writer's room with the goal to draft our very own Lifetime movie plot. If you don't know her already, Christella is the writer of the upcoming Lifetime Christmas movie, Holiday in Santa Fe, starring the one and only Mario Lopez. Yes. Okay, and we will be covering the movie later in December, so don't worry. And we will be having Mario Lopez on. So excited. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy what's going to come to you next week. I cannot wait. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN because it just might be the movie we talk about next. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. (laughs) I Love a Lifetime Movie is produced by Julie Magruder. Our editor and sound mixer is Jonathan Seary. Executive produced by Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. With original music by Blake Maples. And hosted by Naomi and Megan. Us. 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 I mean, you you should know that by now. If you've gotten to this point, you should know that we're the host. Okay? <laughs> I, it feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. 